Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. You're listening to Rabot & Co. here on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now, here's Louis Rabot. Ah, uh, welcome back to Cantrell & Co. this week. ESPN 680, 105.7. Louis er, uh, enjoying a much-deserved vacation. He'll be back with you next week. Uh, we got tomorrow, we got Biscuit in the studio joining us to uh, talk about all things, I'm sure, Louisville Cardinals uh, basketball. The women's team plays tonight as we mentioned against georgia tech so join biscuit and chrissy banta out at noble funk brewery because they're gonna have a watch party for that i think it's their first watch party of the season and louisville's women's basketball team deserves uh, all the support they can get jeff walls uh doing a very good job there but they need to bounce back after losing to virginia tech the other day uh, uh other additional programming for you we got louisville baseball on saturday against st bonaventure 1245 pregame coverage beginning on over on 93.9 the ville bellarmine basketball in action tonight but they'll also be in action on saturday against North Alabama. Pre-game coverage will start at 345 here on ESPN 680-1057. I've got Jason Entz in studio, and we got Jay Davis on the line, as we always do uh, every Thursday. Uh, Jay, thanks for making time for us, man. Uh, How's it going? Jay. Hey, Jay, we got you. You got you. Yeah, I'm here. How you guys doing? I'm hanging in there, man. I mean, yesterday was a kind of a rough day here for the locals. Kentucky losing to LSU, Louisville losing against uh, Notre Dame. Uh, what's your read on this Kentucky team? They're 18 and eight. We obviously know the ceiling of this team is very high, but this is also a team that is very capable of losing in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, just kind of as a guy outside of the area, what's your read on this uh, Kentucky team? You know, I was there probably you know maybe a month or so ago with you that their ceiling was really high, but you know. After a while, you, you you start to, you know, figure out, you start to see teams show you who they are. And, you know, that last play was, you know, <laughs> it was just interesting. You know, you get the big block and then everybody's, you know, just watching the ball on the, you know, the save from out of bounds, you know, that leads to the tip in. And it's just, you know, that was just another example of a problem that they've had all year on defense, you know, with, you know, not really being that great at contesting jump shots, getting lost on, you know, defensive possessions and, you know, just not making the plays necessary to win games. And that, you know, LSU's not very good, you know, this year. I know they're only one game under 500 in the conference, but that was just a really, really bad loss. I I understand it's been really hard to win on the road this year, but that's, that's, that's a game you have to win if you're Kentucky. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. And that, that's a game, especially coming off the Auburn win on Saturday. It was kind of disappointing to see them revert back to uh, some of the struggles that they'd had when they lost three in a row at home. And it, it, again, this team's just very difficult to figure out. Rob Dillingham is as good of an ISO player as there is in college basketball. Reed Shepard, as we know, maybe the best freshman in America. Uh, w- when you look at this team from an NBA draft perspective, I mean, there's five guys I think projected to go in the NBA draft. I think Rob Dillingham's the highest projected of these guys. What do you see as far as their ability to translate to the next level? You think Dillingham's the most likely option as far as to be maybe the Shea Gilgis Alexander uh, at the next level, or what do you see as far as the NBA talent with this team? Yeah, I mean, there's like most years with with a Cal team, there's there's NBA talent all over the place. You know, you got Rob Dillingham, who I I'm almost positive is going to go in like the top six or seven of the draft. You know, I know he's a lot of some people might think he's a little small and spindly. You know, I think he's what like six two, one seventy, one seventy five, but you know, that play he got on that and one where he got it through, you know, two LSU defenders and still had the strength to, you know, flip the ball up and get the basket. That's something that the pro scouts are going to love. Just, you know, one, being able to absorb the contact and two, still being able to get that shot up. You know, scouts are going to love that, going to love that. Uh, you know, Reed Shepard, he's a little bit, you know, thicker. They're about the same height. But with, with him being able to play, I think, I think I don't think he would start at point guard, but I think Reed Shepard has the ability to play both guard positions. And obviously his shooting is, you know, going to be, uh, you know, a huge, a huge, a huge part of his game that, you know, a lot of the NBA GMs and teams are going to love. They, you know, they have, like, like I said, like any year, uh, you know, Aaron Bradshaw is, you know, he's like seven feet, 230. Um, you know, he'll, he'll get a lot of looks. DJ Wagner, even though he's been injured this year, you know, just with his, with his body type and his size, he'll get a lot of looks. They, they have a, you know, a lot of guys and, you know, we've seen it, you know, you got to remember when, uh, when Kyle Carl Towns freshman year, I think he averaged like 13 or 14 points a game and he wasn't, you know, really shooting threes. He wasn't really allowed to do that. And, you know, in the NBA, he's like a 25 point a game scorer and he's probably one of the best shooting big men all the time. So, you know, a lot of, and, you know, you, that same year, Devin Booker coming off the bench for a lot of the time. So, you know, these guys, you know, his players continue for the last, you know, like decade and a half to, to do really well in the NBA. And I accept, I expect a bunch of guys in this year to do the same. Jay Davis joining us as he always does here on Thursday on Rabo and Co. ESPN 680-1057. Uh, Jay, I want to get your thoughts on Louisville because this is a program, of course, top six in winning percentage, uh, one of the biggest names in the college basketball landscape. But I- I'm inter- always interested in an outsider perspective on what's your perception on the Louisville job because obviously we know the history there, but it's been a while since this team has done anything. 2017 was the last time they won an NCAA tournament game. They haven't been to the second weekend since 2015. Uh, is this, in your mind, still a legitimate job, or is Louisville maybe not the job that they think they are? It's still a little legitimate job. You know, they're just, I mean, there's a lot of programs that have, you know, you know, bad down stretches for a while. I know this is probably the worst it's ever been. I saw a, uh, it was a, a post on Twitter, uh, I think it was yesterday before the Notre Dame game, where I think Kenny Payne's lost like 21 games at home now over two years. And I think even, you know, that stretch before that, that was that admittedly wasn't that great. I don't think they lost that many home games over a five-year period. So, you know, it's, it's just going to take – I mean, I hate saying this. This is very cliche. It's just going to take the right guy to turn it around and – you know, I'm, I'm, you know, there's been some talk about candidates. I know Ohio State kind of got out in front of it, letting Chris Holtman go to, you know, kind of get their search started. But mm-hmm. you know, they just have to be, they just have to be smart. You know, with the with the next hire they make, you know, in terms of, you know, just picking the right guy for the culture there and kind of who understands the history and what that program has been and what it could be. 
do you think it's going to take more than just – I know a lot of UFL fans have checked out not just on this team but almost on the program because of how things have gone this year. Do you think it's going to take more than just a a home run hire to bring a lot of fans back? No, I mean, it's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm in Detroit, right? So, you know, people check out – people have checked out on the pro teams up here a lot. You know, that, people checking out on college teams doesn't really happen. There's always something that brings you back. Now, they might be checked out for this year and, you know, admittedly with good reason. But, you know, you look – once recruiting rankings come out, you know, you look at the schedule next year, you know, they make the hire, they look at the assistants, you know, the guys – the transfer guys they bring in, whether or not it's, you know, transfers or high school recruits, people always come back, you know, to the program. But – you know, like, like I said, you know, the last two years it's basically been rock bottom for that program. And you know, again, I told you know I tell Louis this. You know, I, I'm I was shocked that you know Kenny kept that job after that DePaul game that was you know more than two months ago now. And you know, I, they've won like four games since then, but you know, there hasn't really been any growth. You know, any anything to show that all right, you know, he he should keep his job going forward. You know, at the beginning of the season, you know, you talk about it, it's like all right, go 500 in the ACC and give your shot you know, to play in some kind of postseason tournament, and they're not even going to be close to any of that. So, you know, it's this is just – I think this is probably the worst it's going to get for this program. And I don't think, you know, they might not get back to, like, you know, 1980, 1986 level, you know, 2013 even. But it, it, it'll, it'll definitely be better than it is now because there's just – you know, there's just too much – too much riding on the success of that program, you know, for that area down there. And, you know, there's too much history there. There's too many people that care about it. Nobody wants to see this continue, and I, I don't think it will after this year. Do you think Louisville's going to get a big name like a Scott Drew from Baylor, or potentially Nate Oates at Alabama? There's a lot of big names being linked to this job. Do you think it's going to be one of those guys, or do you think it's more likely to be kind of like a Dusty May at Florida Atlantic or a Josh Schertz from Indiana State? What kind of coach do you think they're going to be able to get? You know, I... I think they're going to go after the big names. They have to because not only are they big names, there's there's really good coaches out there, you know. But I I, I think somebody like Dusty May would you know would work really well there. Um, you know, I know they're not having as great a year, I guess, in the in the American as a lot of people thought they would. That the top of that conference is actually pretty good. A lot, I think it's a lot better than a lot of people thought it would be. But I still think Dusty May is really good. Nate Oates, who actually has some ties to, you know, up where I am. You know, he coached high school up here for like a decade. Um, he's really good. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's, it, it's just it's going to be all about the sell. You know, what are you, what are you going to sell to these to these coaching candidates? You know, because they have, they have the money, you know, to, to shell out some pretty big contracts. You know, the facilities are pretty good. So it's just going to be about – you know, how how they sell the job to, to the candidates that, you know, that ultimately gets the guy that, that they probably want. You know, I don't think it's going to be, you know, how in some in some cases their programs end up with like their third or fourth choice. You know, they all have a list. They're, I'm sure they have like a top five coach that they, that they would take. But, you know, I think they're going to get a guy that they want. I'm just not sure if it's going to be like a, a, a huge sexy name or somebody, you know, from a mid-major like, you know, Florida Atlantic or Indiana State, like you mentioned. But, I think they're going to get somebody good, and I think things are going to look a lot better, you know, this time next year than they do right now. 
Jay Davis joining us as he always does on Thursday here on Rebeau and Co. ESPN 680-1057. I, I think coming into the week, as and we'll do a little national conversation here. I think coming into the week, everybody was kind of looking at it as UConn and then everybody else because UConn just coming off a dominant win against Marquette and they've you know won a bunch of games by 20 or more points. They've been the best team in college basketball, probably the most consistent team. And then they go lose on the road at Creighton, which granted that's a top 15 team, a really good team. Creighton makes a bunch of shots, but they lose that game. Uh, do you still look at, at look at it as UConn and everybody else, or is there kind of a smaller gap than may have been perceived with teams like maybe Purdue or Houston right behind them? I think with the success that you know UConn had going into that game, particularly with how they manhandled Marquette on Saturday, I think you know and going on, you know you have that big game against Marquette at home. And then you go on the road, you know, there's, these are still, you know, 18, 22, 23, 24 now year old kids. And, you know, they were kind of due for a game like that. You know, Creighton's best two players showed up. Um, you know, UConn's offense was probably the worst it'll be, the worst it's been all year. And that's, that's probably the worst it'll be the rest of the year. That, I think that was, they just kind of ran into a bus. So I think, I think they'll rebound. I saw something that I know it was before the Creighton game, but I think UConn's probably, favored in every game that they're going to play the rest of the regular season. Mm-hmm. They'll still get a one seed. I'm not sure right now. I, I don't know who the overall number one should be now. You know, what happened to Purdue on Saturday, you know, and even though, you know, I know you get a lot of teams always get a boost, you know, when you lose a coach, you, you do it for the interim coach. Um, but, I, you know, I don't know who the overall number one seed should be. I would still have the number one seeds, you know, overall as, you know, UConn, Purdue, Houston, and I think there's a battle for that four spot. I know a lot of the, you know, you saw the top 16 revealed over this weekend. I had Arizona as a one. Yeah. I think Arizona's good, but, you know, just looking at the Pac-12 and, you know, how down it is, there's actually a big game tonight in the Pac-12, Washington State and Arizona. Those are the top two teams in the league, but I, I don't I don't know if right now I'd have Arizona as a one. If I had to, I probably would, but, yeah, you know, this this is it's it's been like this for the last, you know, couple of years now where – you know, because of the transfer portal, you know, a lot of teams are getting older. you got more veterans, you know, all across the country. You know, you're going to see, you know, more upsets early than, than you, you know, you would have seen probably like five, ten years ago. And, you know, I think that's going to be the case again this year. So, no, I wouldn't. I would. I, I do think I would still say UConn is probably the, it's still the best team in the country just because of what they have, you know, across the board with guard play and shooting and depth and big guys. But, yeah, that that gap's smaller. You know, I don't I don't think they're gonna run through the tournament. I still would pick them to win the title, but I don't think they're gonna you know walk walk to the championship. Are you concerned about Michigan State? Of course, you're a Michigan State alum. They lost the other day against Iowa. I, I don't think they're a bubble team right now because they've got enough good wins. But are you kind of getting a little concerned about where this team's headed as they head toward March? I've been concerned about them for four years. You know, it used to be the standard was, all right, we're going to get in this tournament and we're going to win at least three games, you know, be in the Elite Eight. And the last four years, it's been like, all right, you know, we, we just got to get in, you know, to keep that streak alive. You know, I think Izzo's been there, what, 26 years in a row. Uh, you're right, they're not a bubble team. The computers love Michigan State. I think they're top 20 in the net and, and Ken Palm. But, you know, this this month has been very kind to them, you know, with the, with the schedule that they've had. You know, that Iowa game, they just – they just couldn't guard, you know, I think we were favored by like 10 or 11 and then we were down more than that at halftime. That, that was just a really bad game. Um, I don't, I, it just happens to them. Like our, our big guys have been bad since, you know, Nick Ward and um, Xavier Tillman left, you know, four or five years ago. We, we don't have a good big guy. Um, you know, our wings are typically over the last handful of years have been smaller than a lot of other teams wings. And, 
you know, we get consistent play out of one guy, you know, and then our guys like Malik Hall, who's a senior, AJ Hogard, you know, point guard, who's a who's an upperclassman, that, that their play comes and goes, and it, it's been that way over the last four years. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not concerned about them getting into the tournament. You know, I if they win a couple of games, I'd be pleasantly surprised. You know, my my expectations with that program are what they were four or five years ago. Jay Davis joining us, as always, on this Thursday here on ESPN 680-1057. Let's talk about the other team in the state of Michigan, and, of course, that's the Wolverines. It just seems like Juwan Howard, we're just waiting till the end of the season for him to get fired. It's just been kind of a stunning downturn for this program. A couple years ago, they were a one seed, and now they are last place in the Big Ten. Uh, is Juwan Howard, is he as good as gone? Yeah, you know, it's, he's been there, you know, a handful of years. Uh, you know, they've, they've had some success, like you mentioned, but this – you know, this year, you know, coupled with, you know, a couple of the incidents he's had, there was an incident, I think, that was, you know, missing the athletic with one of the, with, with a guy on his staff. And, you know, they're just, they're really bad. There's no reason for them to be the worst team in the Big Ten. I still, I don't know how they beat Wisconsin a couple of weeks ago, but, I, you know, I know Wisconsin's on the slide. Um, you know, they just, I think they won like three games since the middle of December. And, you know, at a program like Michigan, you can't have that. So, I, you know, I think he's done. I'm not sure, you know, who they'll replace him with. Uh, you know, that's still, a, that's still a really good job. But I just I – don't, I don't know where they go from here. Do you think – you look at, you know, Jawan Howard, you look at Patrick Ewing, you look at Kenny Payne. They're three guys who were heroes at their school that had never head coached in college before taking those jobs – do you think we're going to see an end to that trend with with how badly these three tenures have gone? Uh, no, you know, because I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that'd be fair to some of the other guys. You know, it was interesting with, you know, Patrick Ewan because he had a little bit of experience, you know, as an assistant, and same with Jawan Howard. I, I don't know, you know, why things have gone as badly for Jawan as they've had. They have. I, I know there's a lot of talk about his recruiting. Um, you know, I don't think he's a bad X's and O's coach, but I think there's some some issues there with his recruiting. But I mean, there's, I think you know, you're right about the first job part. So if if I'm Juwan and I still want to coach, you take a job, you know, in the MAC or you know, in the Sun Belt or something like that, to you know, kind of get your legs back under you. But yeah, you know, for 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 Georgetown to have been Patrick Ewan's first head coaching job. You know that that was you know that that seemed a little odd to me. I get why they did it. You know I, that's why Chris Mullen was at St. John's, and you know there's there's a lot of cases like that. But I I don't think that's going to stop anything because honestly I think the next the next generation of players uh, they're a lot. I think they're a little bit more cerebral than you know some of the older guys. Not to say they don't have good coaching acumen, but I look at a guy like Chris Paul who I think would be a really good coach. I think if he wanted to, I think Draymond Green could probably get the job at Michigan State, and I think he would do pretty well there. So I think I think that might be a generational thing, you know, just in terms of uh, you know just seeing how much how much more guys today, you know, are just into the you know the mental aspects and watching everybody and watching everything while they're still playing. So I think I think that that might just be a generational thing. Do you think that's a situation? And, and I'm with you. It's more of the. It's not so much that they don't understand how to coach the game. Obviously, they know the game better than any of us. But having that experience of how to recruit, the things that go into the day-to-day job, 
the things that a lot of these guys, especially Kenny Payne, seem to fail to understand. Do you think it's vitally important that they bring in assistants with them that know how to run a program, or do they need to start hiring guys like like a Draymond Green, like a Patrick Ewing, and letting them go to smaller jobs where they learn how to build the program versus throwing them into a you know a big time position and expecting them to know everything that they're supposed to do right off the jump? Well, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, we all know there's more to these jobs than just, you know, on the court. There's, you know, at, at a lot of programs, you know, I know a lot of programs in college, football is king, but Bill Self is the man in Kansas. Tom Izzo is the man in Michigan. You know, Calipari is, you know, probably the man in, you know, in Kentucky. So, you know, there's, there's just a lot of other aspects to the job outside of, you know, going to, you know, lead practice and, you know, being on the sideline during games that a lot of that I think a lot of the you know guys who take these jobs I don't think they I don't think they look at those look at that and I think that's something that you know when you go into these interviews you know now that these administrators I think have to make that clear you know look it, there's more to this job than just coaching basketball and you know you're leading these guys and you know you need to be on a recruiting trail you know constantly you know to to build your program so it has some sustainability but I mean there's 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 multiple ways around that. You you can bring in a name, you know, the big name alum who has success as a player. You're right, you know, and put a, have them put a staff together to help him through that. And you know, like we said before, you know, there's a there's a you know work your work your way up. You know, a lot of industries you start at the bottom. You know, start like I said in the Sun Belt or in the whack at you know like Fresno State or something like that. That's there in the Mountain West now, but you know what I mean. So, you know, there's there's multiple ways around that. It, it just depends on, you know, really what the administrations want at these schools when these jobs are open. Uh, he's Jay Davis. We'll have him for the whole hour here on Rebo & Co. ESPN 680-1057. we got to get to a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, 14 teams in the college football playoff. Is that actually going to happen? And we're actually going to get into the NCAA football video game and some of the things that are transpiring around that because now – there's an ESPN article about a couple of points that are going to be in the game. We'll talk about all that when we come back here on ESPN 680-1057. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabot. ESPN 680-1057. We're Bowen Co., Cantrell & Co. this week. Uh, so, so on Saturday, we have for you the Victory Formation Sports Show with Jeff Lightsey Jr. That's 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. over on 93.9 The Ville. We also have the High School Hour brought to you by the Cutter Group here on these very airwaves from 10 to 11 on ESPN 680-1057. Uh, we usually have the Sunday morning hangover, but I'm, I know that uh, Phil is in the process of having his kid, so I don't know if the kid came out uh, yesterday or uh, if that it did happen. Did he have his kid? As far as I know. Okay. Well, congratulations. He had his notifications off. I went to shoot him a text last night. He had his notifications slapped. Okay, so, so he's, he definitely had so. the kid. Congratulations, Phil, if, uh, if, the kid, if you did have the kid. So congrats on that. Uh, usually we have Sunday morning hangover. I, I know we're off this week because Nick's got a game at uh, 12 o'clock and then Phil's having his kid situation. But normally... You're not, you're not, you're not taking over and <laughs> making that yours? No, I need a day off every now and then. <laughs> Uh, so usually we'll have Sunday morning hangover from 10 a.m. to 12 uh, here on ESPN 680-1057. Uh, texter Kenny fired yet. I've seen that about. No, this is the same guy who texted me that about three times. No, unfortunately, Kenny has not been fired yet. Uh, we're, make sure you stay tuned, though, because it check might happen. Check in in about three weeks. Yeah, check in about three weeks. Uh, Jay Davis is with us, as he always is, on Thursday. Uh, Jay, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, 
college football playoff, the model that they've decided to go with five plus seven, uh, the idea of maybe 14 teams in the playoff, that was being discussed by college football playoff management committee at meetings in the Dallas area uh, yesterday. First of all, what are your thoughts on the five plus seven format? And what are your thoughts on the uh, possibility of further expansion? Well, the five plus seven, you know, is a little weird since there's really only, you know, four big leagues now. I know, you know, there's a the pack, pack two, but I mean, I always thought, you know, the, the old NFL model before they went to seven teams, I thought that would have been best. You know, you pick six teams, the top two teams get a buy, and, you know, they have all of these metrics now. You know, there's a, there's a playoff show with the rankings, so why not just have – you know, those top six teams be the teams in the, you know, in the playoff at the end of the season. What's the point of those? I know it's a TV product, but if you're going to have those rankings, like make that, you know, something for those te- those top six teams to keep pushing for every week. Um, the five plus seven model, you know, I'm fine with that. There's going to be some, you know, there's going to be some eight and four teams in there, probably from the big Twitter, the big 10 and the SEC, you know, just because their schedule are going to be so tough, but I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, going to 14, they're going to do it just because, again, that's it's more inventory for TV and it's more money for the networks because yeah. you know, we're all seeing over the last couple of years that the networks are really really who's running college football now. Yep. But, I mean, I'll still watch it. People are still going to watch it. Uh, it clearly has, you know, diluted some of the – not some of um, the majority of bowl games, but, you know, these games are still going to be fun. And I'm interested to see if there are some changes implemented as far as the regular season. You know, a lot of the – I don't know why the SEC won't go to nine conference games. The Big Ten's gone to nine. I bet I, I'm just guessing, you know, with the conferences growing, and you know the networks again, networks running everything, wanting better games on TV. That these leagues are going to go to ten conference games just because the matchups are better every week, and you know the number of buy games, you know, goes down. You know, some of the smaller programs don't get as much money as they would have. But you know, just with this expansion, wanting to have some of the best teams in there, the schedule will probably being a big factor. I think some, you know, some of the leagues are going to go to ten games, and it will eventually go to fourteen. I'm not sure where it stops at this point. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I like the uh, six team idea. I think that would have been perfect, especially because it would have valued conference championships more. But of course, with the SEC and the Big Ten, they won as many at larges as possible, which is why I was a little surprised that the five plus seven actually passed because I thought those two leagues would be very persistent as far as having just twelve at large teams and just pick the twelve best. But I, I'm happy that they decide to go with five plus seven, and so that the non AQ schools actually have an opportunity. I, I think the regular season is going to be fascinating because I think at the very top with like Ohio State versus Michigan or Alabama versus Auburn, I think it's going to lessen the value of those games. But you're going to have more games matter in the month of November as far as the top 25. All of them are going to have a chance to make the playoffs. So maybe the game between the number 15 and 20 team is going to matter more. Is this overall good for the sport or is this kind of lessening the value of kind of what college football has always quote unquote been about? No, I mean, you know, you you said you were exactly right. You know, there's going to be, you know, that the Egg Bowl, you know, Thanksgiving night, you know, is going to probably that last weekend of the season is probably going to mean just as much as, you know, for those programs and fans of those programs as Michigan, Ohio State does. Or, you know, you might have Wisconsin, Ohio State. That means just as much as the Iron Bowl. You know, there's going to be some more intrigue for these games, particularly once the, you know, playoff rankings come out. And, you know, I, that's that's just what's going to save, you know, this, you know, college football is still largely a regional sport. So, you know, every every week, you know, with the matchups, you know, fan fan bases are going to get you know hyped up about them because they're like, all right, you know, we're 
they might think we're 18 now. If we win this game, we got a chance to jump into that top 12 or top 14. And then we went out, you know, win the next couple of games, we can get in the top 10. So there's, there's, there's going to be some more added intrigue there. Absolutely. Especially, you know, when you consider now that, you know, more programs will be included. What do you think this does for, especially if they do start expanding to 14 and eventually 16 teams, what do you think this does for the cross-conference rivalries late in the season? Because the SEC and ACC have quite a few of them. There aren't many conferences out there that do, although you now have UCLA and USC moving. They're still going to be doing it towards the end of the season. Do you think this gives teams, with with the expansion of – of SEC schedule probably going to nine games. Do you think these teams look to cut those games or do you think they keep them with the mindset of, well, now there's more playoff spots available. So even if, you know, a Clemson loses to South Carolina late in the season or a Louisville loses to Kentucky, it doesn't necessarily knock us out of the playoffs anymore. Do you think this will help keep those rivalries in place? I think it should, uh, if only for no other reason than, you know, you guys have seen, you know, think about all the, the really big and take out, you know, the, the tournaments like Maui Invitation. So think about all the huge, huge non-conference games in basketball we saw this year. I know there's more games, but, you know, you're doing that to build up your resume. So I don't, I don't you know, I think, you know, if you're Clemson, you know, if you're these ACC, you know, SEC teams, you know, pretty much all of them, you know, the last week of the season, I think you still play that game, you know, because that's a power conference opponent. And I, I think, I mean, yeah, in some cases, if you lose, you have, you know, more to lose and you have more to gain depending on where you are, where you're at in the rankings. But, I, you know, that's not going to kill your schedule, you know, any, I think, you know, that where it gets the SEC is, you know, usually, you know, like the week before the last week of the season or the week before, you know, first week of November when Alabama plays LSU, you know, they're playing like, you know, Western, you know, Western Alabama or something like that. Those, those are the games that, that are going to kill, you know, kill teams, you know, in a conference like the SEC, you know, unless they, you know, see the light and say, you know, oh, we need to add another conference game. You know, we'll keep our big, you know, SEC has always been all, all in on the big games in the first week of the season, too. So, you know, the, between the first week of the season and the last week of the season, they're going to they're all, they're always going to have good matchups, or at least in theory they should. It's that, you know, that one game late October, early November, you know, where they basically use it as a tune-up for their, you know, big, big conference rivalry game that they're probably going to have to drop, and I don't have a problem with that. Do you think there's any chance that this stabilizes conference realignment in any way and prevents it from being the NFL model as far as the Big Ten and the SEC just becoming the AFC and the NFC? Like, If if you're the ACC, do you look at, if you're North Carolina, Clemson, Miami, and say maybe we have more access to the playoff being in the ACC than we would in the Big Ten and the SEC? I think Florida State's gone regardless, but if you're in the Big 12 or you're in the ACC, does this keep your conference around longer because now you have pretty much a guaranteed spot in the playoff? Yeah, you know, I think it should. And, you know, I also think, you know, down the line, it probably won't be until the end of, you know, the current TV deals. But, you know, there's going to be some some more shifts. You know, I think, you know, a program like Rutgers would say, you know what, let's go to the American to give ourselves a chance. Because Rutgers, you know, Rutgers, Indiana, you know, you know, Minnesota, you know, look at like Vanderbilt, you know, South Carolina in a lot of years. Those teams don't really have a chance to – to make the playoff. I don't think those changes will come in the SEC just because a lot of those programs have been in that conference for a while. But look at Rutgers, Nebraska, you know, a couple of the, a couple of those, you know, programs. Like, I could I could see if Nebraska doesn't turn things around, I could see them trying to get back to the Big 12 in five or six years. I could see Rutgers leaving, 
you know, and, and kind of see the field level out a little bit where, you know, a lot of the conferences, you know, go back to some of the traditional powers. I get why Oklahoma and Texas, you know, moved to the SEC. But, you know, I look at what's happened with Oklahoma the last couple of years. And, you know, right now they're probably like the sixth or seventh best program in the SEC. So I don't think, you know, there's only going to be so many spots. I think I think the most spots that the Big Ten and the SEC would occupy in the 12-team playoff is probably like, I don't know, probably like, you know, maybe six or seven. And I know that sounds like a lot, but when you look at the schedules that they have and, you know, and, you know, the, the main programs in those leagues, I think that's what it would be. So, you know, Oklahoma's probably not going to make the playoff. You know, they might make the playoff once every six or seven years, but it's not going to be what it's been the last 20 years for them. Um, real quick, total side note, just got a text from one fabulous Phil Baker. Congratulations, Chloe Baker. Healthy, everybody doing well. Congratulations, Phil. That a boy. Two time, two time baby haver. There you Phil go. Baker. Congratulations, Phil. Well Can't done. Up to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, I don't really know how to transition from that, but I guess we're going to try. Anyway. <laughs> Our guy, I heard a shout out and wanted to wanted to let everybody know okay, that everybody's good. doing he- healthy and happy and great to hear. That's that that that's great. That is great. All right, so let's go ahead and transition back to college football. I know back, that, to, back to back to being gas bags. Back, back to being gas bags. Sports radio, baby. Um, so, I mean, we've talked about the expansion of the playoff. We've talked about what it means as far as the regular season is concerned. Well, what about what about the uh, the possibility that you know some teams the playoff expansion is it possible that. You know, we value things differently. Like Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, those programs are already national title or bust. But for a program like UCF or a program, or maybe not UCF now because they're in the Big 12, but for the non-AQ schools, is it going to be where having a spot in the playoff is almost as big a deal to them as, you know, winning a national championship is to the power programs? We see this in the NCAA tournament where, you know, sometimes going to the the Sweet 16 or the Final Four is as big a deal as the power programs winning a national championship. So, do you think something like that could possibly exist with the 12 team playoff because it opens up access to those smaller schools that really didn't have the opportunity beforehand? Yeah, you know, think about it. You know, a program like I mean, this is basketball, but Florida Gulf Coast in 2013. I'm sure they have a banner that says that they won that, that they won two games that year. You know, you know, it's, it'll be something to hang your hat on. You know, if you're if you're Liberty or you know, like you said, Central Florida or Memphis or a program like that, you know, you go eleven and one, you know, twelve and one if you win your conference, you know, your conference championship, and you're you know the, the highest rated group of five, you know, and you and you have a chance to you know to compete in the playoff, and you know who knows once you get in there, but yeah, you know that that'll definitely be a you know a sense of pride for a lot of the other smaller programs. Uh, before we get to break here, just uh, one final thought, and that is, you know, a trend that's emerged this winter is there's a lot of coaches that are now uh, head coaches that are taking coordinator jobs, such as Jeff Halfley, the head coach of Boston College, taking a defensive coordinator job with the Green Bay Packers. You're seeing a lot of guys leave college football. Do you think this is going to be uh, more of a trend or more of a norm because guys are getting tired of the transfer portal? They're de- tired of having to, you know, deal with 18, 19 year olds on a regular basis and having to keep them happy all the time. And, you know, you really don't get a break as a college football head coach where when you coach in the NFL it's basically football and football only do you think this is going to become more common where more guys leave college football to go to the NFL yeah there's a you know we could talk about this forever but there's there's a lot to that you know just with 
it's on one hand on the one hand it's good that the players now have a little bit more I don't want to call it power but a little bit more agency in the decisions they make and you know and what's going on with college football but on the other hand the way that things have been implemented hasn't been the best and it, and I think you know coaches are you know realizing that you know you know if 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 I could if I could get a, a defensive coordinator job you know I mean I'm sure that job the DC job in Green Bay pays more than you know the head coach of Boston College so you know that's one part of it but you know if you if it's a, if it's much if it's much less of a headache you know than recruiting and you know players telling you you know I can get and you know while it's fair you know like I said is I'm glad that players have more agency now but you know if you got this 19 year old kid saying hey you know I can get you're off of me 75 grand I can get 150 from you know, school ten, you know, a hundred miles down the road. You know, like that. That I could see why that you know gets to be a lot to deal with. We've seen it. I think it's been more uh, prevalent in college basketball. If you just look at, I know they're all older guys, but you know, over the last couple of years, we lost Roy Williams, Mike Krzyzewski, and Jim Beheim pretty much all at once. And I think that's a big that's a big part of the reason why they left. Yeah, Jay Wright as well. He's another guy that uh, retired partially yeah. because of NIL, partially because of recruiting. Uh, do you think, again, right before we get to break here, do you think there's an answer? Do you think there's a solution as far as should we push back the transfer portal window so that guys aren't having to do this in December while they're preparing for the playoff or a bowl game or whatnot? Uh, National Signing Day, of course, has moved up to December as opposed to February. Is there is the cat already too far out of the bag, or do you think there's ways that we can kind of resolve this? No, there's some scheduling, you know, some scheduling tweaks that can, excuse me, scheduling tweaks that can be made as far as you know signing day and you know the transfer portal. But you know, it, I don't know, you know, this whatever whatever changes are made now, you know, you know, administratively, there's going to be some pushback, you know, from the players now because there's there's got to, I think there needs to be. I think I think what's going to happen is there's going to eventually be, you know, you know, there's. There's general managers and the pros. There's going to be there's going to be additions to staffs that deal with this stuff, and then you know there's going to be a lot of kids that have agents now. You know that eventually have agents. So there's there's just going to be a lot of stuff that comes with it. I think you know there's I I think the one thing that probably should happen but won't now because of what's happened in the last few years, and I think the so you have the rule where you have to sit out a year after you transfer you know, needs to come into play because, you know, even with football, I think at the end of, fo- end of football season, there was something like 900 kids that transferred, and there's no way all 900 of those kids are on rosters right now. Right. So, you know, I, I understand, you know, if you want to go closer to home, you have to, I think, you know, it used to be when you transferred, you already knew where you were going and if you were going to start or if you had a spot. Nowadays, these kids are just doing it, you know, just because, you know, you're not playing as much as you thought you would or you're having, you know, issues with the coach. You know, it, it used to be about, you know, I'm going to transfer because my mom or my grandma is sick or I, I'm homesick or something like right. that. You know, now now that seems like, you know, much less prevalent. And it seems more about, you know, playing time and, you know, and money. He's Jay Davis, and we'll have him on for one more segment here. We're going to talk about the NCAA football video game. I know Ence has been chomping at the bit to talk <laughs> about that. We're going to get into that coming up next. With the Kroger app, shopping online with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store. Same low prices, same personalized deals, same rewards on the same high-quality items like Honeycrisp apples and pasta sauce with no hidden fees or markups. 
It's one small click for groceries, one big win for busy families everywhere. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rabo and Co. here on ESPN 680-1057. Now, here's Louis Rabot. Cantrell and Co. here, ESPN 680-1057. Louie will be back next week. We'll have Biscuit in studio tomorrow. Uh, we got Jason Entz in studio. We got Nikki V on the glass along with Tanner Brunamesto. Uh, those guys doing a great job back there. Uh, we got Jay Davis on the line. Jay, we got to get into the NCAA football video game, man. So uh, a couple of the points from the ESPN article on College Football 25. It's still weird to not say NCAA Football 25. but So real coaches won't be in the game, at least for the first installment. Uh, NIL and Transfer Portal will be in the game, so good luck if you're coaching at uh, Bowling Green or Eastern Michigan and then Alabama swoops in and pays $5 million to your top quarterback, so that's going to be fun. Uh, You won't be able to create a player who chooses to not be in the game. You'll figure a way around that. Uh, So players are going to get $600 and the game on their console, and some will be brand ambassadors and get to tweet about the game, but maybe the most fascinating thing playoffs and realignment will be customizable so you might be able to bring back the old pack 12 or you know you can have a 14 playoff or 12 team playoff whatever you want to go with uh what are your thoughts on this uh ncaa football video game a lot of uh, buzz about it but no real gameplay in the trailer do you think this is going to be a success yeah you know it's 10 years since the game came out actually you know last weekend Lou and i talked about this for a while last week i uh i pulled my I dusted off my PlayStation 2 and pulled it out. I got like yes. every get. Oh, know, yeah. It's like six or seven of them from like 2003 to 2008. And I think I put 2006 in. And, you know, I played that for a little while, you know, as long as I could. And, you know, it's it, it's, it's going to be fun. You know, obviously that, that game is going to do huge numbers, which is why, I mean, I know there's there's thousands of division one you know scholarship athletes but that that six hundred dollar figure still seems a little low and i know you oh, have yeah. to opt into it I'm, I'm sure a lot of them will but yeah. just get you know at what 60 70 dollars a pop you know for a playstation 5 or xbox or whatever you know format you play it on that that game is going to do huge numbers and you know i you don't and uh, you know you mentioned that there's no gameplay in these trailers you don't really need to sell on the gameplay because people are going to buy it regardless that's true and and the big thing and and if the athletes are smart, look your your backup punter, your long snapper, they're going to take the six hundred dollars. Yeah. Arch Manning is not going to look go and go. Oh yeah, I'll take six hundred dollars when he's getting a million in nil. EA makes the majority of their money. I think their their financial data. I think two years ago stated that over thirty four percent of their revenue comes from microtransactions. And those that aren't familiar. They do a mode called Ultimate Team in a lot of these games, and they had it in that last NCAA game where you can build a fantasy team with former players, current players, etc. And it has gotten even worse over the last decade. If these players are smart, they're going to demand a cut of that because that's where EA makes their money. It's not going to be on these game sales. There are content creators and streamers, and this is getting into nerdy stuff, but there are streamers that spend $1,000 a week on buying packs for these modes these players need and should demand a lot more money and i think we're going to see some interesting negotiations and numbers coming down the pipe over the next couple months yeah well you know as soon as they you know put out that six hundred dollars plus a copy of the game you knew that wasn't going to come from what they were really making no. off of. but 
you know, yeah, you know, there's 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 a lot more, you know, discussions that need to be had. Uh, you know, the I, you know, the players hopefully they're represented well in those discussions because yeah, like I said, you know, this is the first installment of the game in a decade. It's going to do huge numbers. I haven't seen any projections for it, but I'm sure it's going to do crazy numbers. You know, especially initially when it first comes out this summer. So yeah, you know, there's there's got to be a way for the players to make more off this game than just that six hundred dollars. And and I'm with you. I have a I have a PS5. And I moved this past week. I had the PS3 packed up probably more securely than the PS5 because it's got a digital only copy of NCAA 14, and I was going to be damned if I lost that <laughs> because it's buying a, a physical copy of that game is like two hundred dollars. I've got that, and I've got the old um, NCAA 2K10 basketball game. Oh, one that wow. had Greg Oden on the mm, cover. Yeah, it's the best college basketball game they put out. I have a PS5, and I break out a PS3 to play a pair of games that are over a decade old. Yeah, you know, it's that's you know, you when you look when you think about that, you know, you think about the guys game. Like I said, I think I put NCAA two thousand six in and obviously I graduated from Michigan State, but I I was playing with Ohio State just so I could run all over the place with Troy, Troy Smith oh, yeah. and throw and throw go and throw go rocks and Ted Ginn. That's all I did the whole time I played. You know, that's that's the that's a big part of it. Oh, I remember oh six I would play with the uh, Texas because of that was Vince Young. You had Reggie Bush in that uh-huh. game. Oh six might be the best of the NCAA video games. Fourteen's up there, but oh six is pretty close. Uh, so I want to talk about the last ten years of guys that we've not gotten to play with. Who are the guys that you want maybe legends or legendary teams to show up in this game. I think Lamar Jackson is kind of the Michael yeah. Vick and Madden 04, you know, where he's basically illegal to play with. It, it, we, have, we had rules back then about how you couldn't play with the Falcons because of how good Michael Vick was. Uh, but who are some of the other players that you want to see in this game as kind of classic guys? Well, Lamar Jackson is, you know, the easy ones, <laughs> specifically based on how I like to play. I, don't, I think he, if, I, if I got to play with him, I'd throw like five passes the whole game. But uh, yeah, you know, I'd like to see that that entire like I want that whole 2019 LSU team on there. Yep, that's how many classic. points you can score with them. Yeah, um, you know, I, I want that. There was wasn't there a year that Alabama's quarterback room was two uh, Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts? I want I want all three of them just to see you know to see how how the team plays you know when each of those guys are on the field. How about that receiver um, room? Devontae yeah, Smith, Jalen Waddle, Henry Ruggs. Yeah. Um, Wow, uh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, you know Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Those Clemson teams I'd like to play with. Um, the Michigan State team that went to the playoff and got killed by Alabama. I still like to roam with them a couple of times. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of them. You know, just you know, I would like yeah, Alabama. Excuse me, Oklahoma with Kyler Murray would be fun. Yeah, there, that's There's just so many of them. Uh, Jay, I got a quick question. Who do you think is going to be the highest rated? Uh, player this year for like who's going to be that 99 overall that probably is going to be on the cover if, if not oh wow uh well yeah because they probably can't have a current guy on the cover now since they're getting paid for remember that remember it was always the guy on the cover it was it was after he got drafted so uh <laughs> thinking about this year hmm, i don't know it, you know it's 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 slipping my mind right now you know caleb caleb williams is going to be gone drake bay is going to be gone jay Daniels is going to be gone uh, Jalen Milrow is the first name that comes to mind, but I know it's not going to be him. It's got to be uh, Travis Hunter, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe, you know, because I, I don't know if, if they do that for him because Colorado is not good, right? <laughs> He's really good. I mean, but but you've got to get – with the way that they calculate that stuff, you've got to give him so many good marks on both sides of the ball 
that it almost has to be him. It's Coach Prime. They'll give him a few adjustments on the overalls. They'll make him a little bit better. They'll, they'll make the defensive and offensive lines really bad to compensate. <laughs> well, it might. You know, you know who it might be. Uh, who's the, who's the running back that transferred to Ohio State from Quinshawn Judkins? Quinshawn Judkins. It might be him. Yeah, I mean, he and Travion Henderson, that's going to be two guys that could be 99s because Travion Henderson's got world-class speed, and we know how good he is as a running back. So you got a couple guys there that have that uh, consideration. Man, I, I'm just so stoked about this game. But the thing that I'm not concerned about, but what's your when you played NCAA, did you do it where you started at Eastern Michigan, Bowling Green, the small colleges, or did you cheat and just go to the big-level programs? No, that that was the fun of it. You know, you win seven championships at like Western Kentucky, and then you and then the best job you would get offered is like, you know, Idaho State or something. Like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I feel that pain. I can't wait for when I'm Western Kentucky or Eastern Michigan, and as I mentioned, like Alabama's going to pay five million dollars to take my quarterback away. That's not going to be fun. Yeah, that's that's the part that I'm not looking forward to. And by the way, it it was uh, Kirk Herbstreit announced a little bit ago that he is. Coming back. Yay. <laughs> We're all excited about it. Yeah, Chris Fowler apparently is going to be in the game, too. I'm waiting for Gus and Joel Klatt to tweet will, that they're will, in the game. Will Lee Corso be in there? I don't think so. Oh, Real quick, a uh, website's talking about who would be the top players. They've got Travis Hunter, Will Johnson from Michigan, uh, Reuben Bain Jr. from Miami, Quinn Ewers from Texas, yeah, and Quinn Caleb Jones. Downs. So it's a lot of defensive players. Yeah, Caleb Downs, another Ohio yeah. State transfer. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say I could I could see that you know defensive players are going to be you know you know huge this year with all the offensive talent that left. Um, yeah, I just I just I just I'm just really really excited. I'm surprised you know I'm surprised Quinn Ewers isn't you know higher on that you know because you know he'll be the he'll be the most notable quarterback you know yeah. coming back. Yeah, that's true. Texer said game has transfer portal, so put portal king Jeff Brom on the cover. <laughs> I, I think they should put Saban on the cover, but that's just me. Uh, Jay Davis joining us as he does every Thursday. Jay, really appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right, thanks, guys. It was fun. It was a lot of fun, and uh, Tanner Bruno Mesto doing a great job on the ones and twos. Jason Entz off this week, actually the pleasure of joining me in studio. Jason, thanks for coming in, talking all things cats, cards, and a lot of video game. How about that? Thanks for scraping the bottom of the barrel and bringing me in. <laughs> uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. We got Biscuit in studio. Remember to go out to Noble Funk and join him and Chrissy Banta for the uh, Louisville Women's Watch Party tonight. Uh, like I mentioned, we'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Zach Cantrell here for Cantrell & Co., Rebo & Co., ESPN 680-1057. We thank you for your tech. Thank you for listening in. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the expert you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling.